No, I would say that Africa and the pandemic um, have have come as a package. <laughs> they've come as a package. It wasn't one and the other or, or vice versa, but yeah, they, they really came together. Welcome back to Global Citizens at Home. I'm Hannah Huber, and I'm so glad you found this podcast where I share with you the stories of internationals finding their place in the world. For the first series of episodes, I'm focusing on how the pandemic has shifted our perception of home. I've been establishing a home in a place that's not my homeland for over 17 years. The pandemic sparked a curiosity in me. Now that we're not even allowed to visit our so-called roots, has our perception of home and belonging changed? I wanted to know what other internationals were experiencing. I've always told Dutch people when they ask me where I'm from that I feel 60% American and 40% Dutch because America is where my roots are. But this has shifted. I can't assign percentages anymore to my national identity. My hope is that these stories from global citizens provide you with insight and inspiration, and that these stories help you determine what's needed in order for you to call a place home. My next guest is one of my best friends from my hometown of Gettysburg, Heidi. I've known Heidi my entire life. Our mothers went to the same Lamaze class as we had roughly the same due date. Heidi was born a couple weeks early. I was born a couple weeks late. We went to the same elementary school. We went to the same high school. We played the same sport, basketball, although she went on to be a star player and I sat the bench. We both caught the travel bug at an early age. I went off to the Netherlands in high school. Heidi went off to Ecuador just after college. For almost as much time as I've lived in the Netherlands, Heidi has spent in South America with short stints back in DC. She's lived over a decade between Ecuador, Bolivia, and Peru. Now, during this global pandemic, Heidi has moved over to Burkina Faso to join her American partner, who's a diplomat with the State Department. I'm gonna call her and check in to see how she's doing. Heidi, here we are on Skype. Hey, Hannah, it's so good to hear your voice. Good to hear yours too. We got to talk uh, on your birthday on Halloween um, just briefly, but it's nice to actually interview one of my best friends who is now more or less in the same time zone, one hour behind in Africa uh, and the Netherlands here, Burkina Faso. I just wanted to ask you, what, which I forgot to do last time we talked, is there anything specific that you packed in your suitcase when you came over to Africa from the U.S., you know, like Ziploc bags or... Or Oil Volet. <laughs> oil Volet. Didn't they change their name now, Hannah? It's like Olay or something. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. You have to you have to get up to speed on, on the latest. But yes, I did pack I did pack the um, Oil Volet or Olay face cream. That's a must have. There, there's a few things, but I think uh, if I had to mention one, I would say my eye mask. I have a very special eye mask that helps me sleep wherever I am, including on planes. And so that was the most important thing, but I actually forgot it, so I'm waiting for it to arrive still. Um, so just a reminder that good to double check everything before you leave yeah. <laughs> and move. And you should know because I have moved quite a bit in the past two decades. Where is home for you? When people ask you that question, what do you answer? It's a really good question, Hannah. I think home, you know, I think of Gettysburg, of course, where you and I both grew up and have spent, you know, our, our childhood and high school years. But 
I think the definition for me has expanded quite a bit as I've moved abroad and I'd say each place that I've lived for over a year, um, I consider, you know, as part of my home. And so it's more of a feeling, I'd say, and a sensation in what I think about and what conjures up in my mind the word home than an actual place. Amen to that. I, I think that that's just, and that's why I just love this podcast is just hearing that from numerous people and about their journey of finding that place in the world because it's not necessarily physical. And like you said, it's a feeling and it's hard to define. So has your definition of home that you just said changed since March when the pandemic hit? Hmm. Um, not really. Maybe just expanded a little bit. But no, I don't think the definition changed, actually. Yeah, and when you say pandemic. expand... Interesting enough. In what way? Um, well, I guess the pandemic hit just you know a month or two after <clears throat> I moved to D.C. So I moved back from Peru almost a year ago, end of December, um, to the U.S. and was planning then to move to D.C., so it took a month or two to do that. And then the pandemic hit, so I guess as that was unfolding, D.C. was becoming home again. Um, mm -hmm. And, yeah, I just moved, you know, really just uh, less than a month ago now to Africa, to Burkina Faso, so that also has changed, you know, where, where I'm living and spending time and all of that. But I would say the pandemic as such has not altered my definition. So it seems from, you know, the time that I've known that you've gone down to South America and coming back to the U.S., D.C. has been kind of like a home base. We even at one point lived there together. We shared an apartment. We go on nice uh, jogs in the morning before work uh, in the sweltering humidity of D.C. through Rock Creek Park and um, in our early 20s. So, you know, you... I've noticed you keep coming back to D.C., which is a city that you and I both love. Um, it's a very transitional city. Do you consider that your home base when you're in the U.S.? I would say I consider it my home base. Yeah, definitely. It's a good way of, of putting it. And interestingly, each time that I've moved there, or I would say back there, um, it's always ended up being temporary. But I didn't go into it thinking that necessarily. Um, maybe the first time because I knew I wanted to go to graduate school after a couple of years. But the other times, I wasn't seeking to then move somewhere else. Life just sort of evolved and that happened. Um, but each each time it has ended up being in a transitional place. I don't know if someday it might be a, a longer term thing at some point. Who, who knows? But yeah, it's, it's, I would consider it a home base and part of this sort of expanded definition of home, which also includes Peru and Bolivia and Ecuador, where I've lived, um, you know, a significant amount of time. And to me, when you just even said going into it, you didn't expect it to be short term. I think that that's so important. You know, the whole mindset that you go to a place with. I think people that move to a place thinking, okay, I'm only going to be here for three months. You know, you live it up. You might not necessarily then bother to learn the local language. You know, with friendships, everything you do is affected by the amount of time that you have set in your mind that you're going to be somewhere. So, but I think with you, with DC, you already have had some established friendships there. And, you know, it's only an hour and a half from our hometown. So you can go up and see your parents. What's your mindset now that you've moved to Burkina Faso? Is, is, is that affecting and how you look at establishing that as your home for the next year, two, three years? 
I don't think so. I in this case, it's it's you know about two years, so it's maybe the first time where I've gone somewhere where it's a, it's more of a defined period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, till till summer of of 2022, basically. I wouldn't say that it affects how I've approached it because I consider you know now this is maybe in the process of becoming my home is maybe the best way to put it, and I have you know, started to reach out to people here to connect and, you know, professionally, but of course, you know, personally as well and have sort of a social network and not only expats, but locals also. And, you know, that, that of course takes time. So even though it's, it's, um, you know, not a forever place, uh, that's important. And I think helps to make a place feel like home and also to get to know the, you know, the local culture. And I've been taking French, so I'm, Know, now learning another language, not exactly from scratch, but in, in some ways it feels like that. And it's as you've become fluent in Dutch, um, that's so important to be able to not just communicate with the local staff, but also understand and be able to move toward integrating more into a culture where you're living as opposed to just keeping your own little bubble world. Right. And besides language, what do you have any tips for the global citizens out there? Are people moving to a different country for the first time? Because, you know, I just love getting photos from you and, and your emails that tell family and friends about your experiences there. And, you know, I see you at <coughs> weddings and making all these new friends. Um, so to me, you are the queen of making new connections in all these places that you go. So what's your secret? My secret, I, I enjoy people. I'm certainly a people person. And so I, I think I try to leverage the people that I know to ask for, for contacts and also, you know, use different sources to find contacts. And, and also when you're, when you move somewhere before, it's just, if you can find ways, you know, everyone knows other people. And I think it's a matter of being curious and interested in other people. And you have to take the initiative when you first move somewhere, no one's really going to contact you. And so you have to, I've been used to, you have to take the initiative and you need to show interest in other people and propose things and be willing to also try new things to not just for that particular experience, but also for the people that you might meet. And yeah, I've met different people sort of just following kind of a natural path of reaching out to people. And it's, it's been wonderful, but it's not, I've never just had, you know, a group of friends, you know, through work or through, you know, one or two other people. Um, I've sort of done it more broadly, and I think that creates a much more diverse and interesting sort of, you know, group of friends and, and social network, generally speaking. Nice. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up the whole curiosity aspect, being curious about other people and, and getting off your butt and going out there and putting effort into it, because that's so much a part of it, I agree. And how has the pandemic made you look at your own home country differently? This is something that fascinates me, just being an American with a Dutch passport, living abroad for half my life, um, but still having American roots and just watching my country from afar. I mean, you were just in DC recently, so you were in the middle of everything going on there with the upcoming, with the elections that are now taking place or still counting. So how has this pandemic made you look at America? Has it made you look at it differently? How has it affected your Americanness for you? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think the pandemic or any crisis uh, tends to bring out the best and the worst of what 
already characterized as a nation. And so I think during this time, you see some of the, you know, amazing qualities of Americans across the spectrum and, you know, different jobs, um, you know, frontline workers that often don't get the the praise and the recognition and appreciation they deserve that are out, you know, delivering boxes and food and working with, you know, people that are homeless or don't have enough to eat. And I think people are really, there's a huge sort of grassroots and also organizational kind of even business movement to kind of try to help people where where it's needed. And I think you see that all over the place and it's really inspiring, people trying to help others as best they can um, and come together. Even though we need to stay physically apart, it doesn't mean that you can't sort of emotionally and socially come together a bit more and help each other out. And I think those characteristics you really see in the pandemic, you know, make masks and other things. But also, uh, for example, the values. There are some great values in the U.S. Some of them I also question a little bit sometimes if you think about them in absolute terms. But this whole idea of freedom and individualism, I think, are are really important. And they've certainly shaped, you know, the idea that we can each pursue and what we want and try to become who we want to be and have opportunities regardless of things. I think that's an important one. It's not so straightforward. But I think with something like a pandemic where you really, it's more about collective action and prioritizing public health. And so that flies in the face of individualism and freedom and then you throw politics into it and you throw different demographics and age groups and opinions. And the fact that there is no national strategy, Mm -hmm. um, for example, I think really complicates having a a proper and comprehensive response to a huge public health crisis. And you see that playing out now, you know, really since it really since it began. And so I think it's more reminder to me of a lot of the strengths and also weaknesses in the U.S. In a country with such amazing resources, it also depends really how you use them. And if they're not used properly, um, including through, you know, competent leadership, then all of that doesn't really matter. Well said, my dear. Well said. Time for a quick halfway break. As I was talking to Heidi, I thought about how lucky we were to be able to stay in touch all of these years. That's mostly thanks to her incredible effort to stop by and visit me during her layovers en route to Switzerland. Heidi worked in the green banking sector for years when she lived in South America. Her office's headquarters were in Zurich, which allowed for many visits here in the Netherlands. Heidi would arrive for a weekend, allowing her and I to go to the movies, go on jogs together, shopping and catching up over long meals. She'd read bedtime stories to my kids and rehash old inside jokes with my husband, Yost. We shared an apartment in DC back in the day, the three of us, so she also became a good friend for him. She even visited once when Sinterklaas arrived in town with his steamboat. She grew to know and love the Netherlands as much as I do, thanks to all these weekend visits over the years. Whenever I was back in the US for a summer or Christmas break, usually she was in Gettysburg visiting her parents too, allowing us to meet up there. So we had this true global friendship that knew no borders. I regret never going to visit her when she lived in South America. I had young children at the time, and in all honesty, I thought being so far away from them just scared me. Plus, I figured I'd see Heidi soon enough on one of her layovers. 
Now that she's in the same time zone and no ocean in between, I can't even visit her because of this pandemic. Thank God for WhatsApp and Skype. And how about going to a more individual level then, um, instead of national or more broad, how has, has the pandemic affected your decision to move to Africa at all? Has, has it ever, I mean, it was kind of not last minute, but you know, it was pretty recent, the idea that you were even going to go there in the first place. So has the pandemic had any role in that? Yeah, that's true. No, I would say that Africa and the pandemic um, have have come as a package. <laughs> They've come as a package. It wasn't one and the other, or or vice versa. But yeah, they they really came together. So it hasn't has not affected uh, that decision at all. Okay. And what's been most difficult for you <laughs> since March, since the pandemic hits? Um, what, what would you say has been most challenging? What's in your control? What's not? What Can you talk to us about yeah. that? I guess maybe, maybe two things. On a, on a personal level, having just moved back to the U.S. just a couple months before, and I was really just getting set up in D.C., and I was in the middle of a, you know, ramping up a job search, really in the middle of it. Um, that all, you know, that was all affected by COVID. So, I was already at a point where I was trying to make a pivot in my career and also relocating to DC and figuring out how can I leverage what I've done in the past, but maybe move forward in a slightly new direction. Um, obviously COVID put a, put a wrench into a lot of that and slowed the process and then you can't meet up with people anymore. So everything becomes virtual and many hiring decisions are adjusted then they're put on hold or they're taken off the table. And it's just much harder to, um, you know, pursue and find something new. So that that was probably one of the most difficult things. Also at a time where I was, um, and have remained, you know, very excited and eager to work and there's so much work to do in the world and so many opportunities to take advantage of and things to, you know, try to push forward on really important issues like climate change, for example. And then to just feel like I was just trying to find, find, find an opportunity mm-hmm. rather than doing what I would call actual work, even though finding a job certainly is work. Yeah. Um, I think that was one of the most difficult. And then on a personal level, you know, not, just not being able to see people um, was, diff- was was tough because that's one of the things that I most enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'd say those two things. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the whole job search thing because, I mean, there's so many people I think uh, that were already in that boat, job searching when the pandemic hit, or lost their jobs through the pandemic and are searching. And so um, I've just been in awe about how you've gone about that and, and putting yourself out there, also pivoting and changing your interests. Now that we're 40, 41-year-olds, um, yeah. you know, at the peak of our lives, just that it's it's not too late to go a different direction. And I just love how you've been doing that and with the circular economy and uh, looking in a different career path. So I think that's really encouraging for listeners out there. And, um, and I see that our time is almost running out. So I'm just going to uh, jump into the last couple things I wanted to ask you here. Uh, one being, what has the pandemic brought you? Is there something positive that's come out of all this as a global Absolutely. citizen? <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, a relationship. Woo. The pandemic has, has brought me love, Hannah. Nice. Tell us about that. 
Well, I guess it's part of the um, Africa COVID package that I referred to earlier. Um, no, I met uh, my partner, Scott, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, you know, unexpectedly, but also certainly at a moment where I was prioritizing, you know, a relationship and finding something long term. And so while it was unexpected, um, I guess it's something that I've been seeking for a long, long time. And interestingly, uh, we met at the very beginning of, of the pandemic. So our first, uh, you know, we, instead of a date, it was a video date. And then we had a socially distant walk. But now you add this in. And anyway, so whether <clears throat> I just got super lucky or I'd like to think we would have met anyway. Um, but I think what the pandemic brought to that is is time and space um, and sort of a context where you're reminded of what's really important in life. And I think we both were at a moment where we're able to put time into getting to know each other and spending time together and prioritizing that. But also the, what I would call a lot of the distractions of day to day when you're just out and about and going about life under more normal circumstances weren't there. And so you take that off the table and um, I think it was very conducive then to getting to know each other. Um, and that's why I'm here in Africa. It's for the first time, it's a personal move um, before the professional one. So it's a flip from my all my previous moves. Well, that is just, I didn't even think about that, about how with the whole dating scene and the pandemic, what that does, like you said, with your social distance distancing walk and having all those distractions removed to get to know each other, that's really beautiful. And um, I'm looking forward to guide during pandemic time book that's coming out soon. <laughs> now, <laughs> I've told you, you could write a book, uh, everything that's happened in the past two decades. Um, that was beautiful. Thank you. And to conclude, um, I always like to end with silver linings and, and inspiration and positivity for our listeners out there. So what advice do you have for global citizens that are finding their place in the world? You know, I'd say... Um, good stuff already. I, yeah, I, I think it's really important to every so often, I mean, at least once a year, but maybe even more, just kind of take stock and reassess where you are, sort of have a little mini personal retreat, I sometimes call it. Um, and really think about what your goals are. And I think I've always tended to do that maybe up until a few years ago on a professional level. And we're trained, you know, professional goals and what comes next and how can you, you know, work on your strengths or make, make your strengths even stronger and also work on your weaknesses and all this stuff, which is a separate conversation. But I think the personal is really important and more and more they're intermingled. And so I think if you're clear about what your objectives are, you know, that really sets in focus your, your attention and how to focus your energy on things. And I think if I think over the years when I've been very clear about goals and what I want, um, then those things tend to materialize, mm -hmm. not always right away or in the way that maybe I had envisioned. I think you have to be open to how they can materialize, um, certainly. But I think just having clear objectives and, you know, writing them down and visit, revisiting them, having them visible, I think is, is absolutely critical. And a second thing, I think it's just be open and, and curious about people and about the world and 
not having expectations about things, I think just allows to really um, learn and enjoy, but also sort of embrace life and live it more fully. Wow. Thank you, Heidi. I can't think of any better way to end this episode. So I'm going to end it there. And, um, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today from Ouagadougou. Am I saying that correctly? You are saying it correctly. Oh, good. <laughs> thank you, Hannah. That concludes our second episode of Global Citizens at Home, where we hear stories about internationals finding their place in the world during a global pandemic. I hope you found comforting takeaways. Heidi mentioned the pandemic brought her love. Now there's a great book to be written out there if someone just wants to jump on that, Dating During a Pandemic. Be sure to tune in next time when I interview David Chislett, who was born in Britain, raised in South Africa, and is a resident of the Netherlands. His mantra, nowhere and everywhere is home. He's a published author, poet, musician, artist, and entrepreneur. Creativity is what keeps him grounded as a global citizen. Thanks for listening.